Is that like Day of the Dolphin? That one beep for yes, two beeps for no? Sure. That beep, doll- beep, beep, beep. <laughs> That, that that dolphin on Sequest could talk, motherfucker. So could the dolphin. You've never seen Day of the Dolphin, have you? No, I haven't, no. Ha ha ha! Yes, those are dolphins who get trained to assassinate the president. Joey Heatherton. President. Oh, this sounds good, man. I, I have to see this film now. Dude, George C. Scott. Oh, is he yelling at dolphins? Yes, he's yelling at dolphins. Yes, I need, I need to see this then. Yes. <laughs> okay. Strap uh, that colander to that dolphin's head. See if we can make a talk. Don't go in the tank. The dolphins will try to have sex with you. <laughs> and when the dolphins leaves, it ends up doing porn. It's just, it's weird. Oh, yeah. Get that red belly just start going to town. Yeah, man. Mmm. That's sexy. I don't care who we are. But I... <laughs> Folks, and uh, welcome to episode 93 of the Sin and Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill. I got a belly full of Count Chocula, and I'm here to introduce my co-hosts. One of being which, uh, Jamie Sammons, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. I'm surprisingly... Actually, we might have hit the sweet spot where, where I'm actually awake. Like, fully awake. So, um, yeah, that's good. I don't think the last time, the last time I was here, I don't think that was a thing i think i was kind of out of it uh, i i didn't really notice but i heard i hardly ever who would when I'm to be honest who would <laughs> I, I asked her is she all right and she's like i'm fine i think she's giving me a lot of lip service there but i'm not sure you know she's a she's a lady after all you know just tell me what i want to hear sometimes damn you no, not you though. I, i'm talking to my talking to my my tablet making noise now but uh <laughs> but with you as well is uh, my brother from another mother, straight out of Knoxville, Mr. Jeffrey X. Martin. How you doing, sir? Doing good. Glad to be here. Hope everybody's uh, had a good week after all of the weird natural disasters that have been hitting lately. So peace to everybody in Florida and Texas, and let's talk about at least one shitty movie. Man, forget those folks. They didn't laugh at my Faye Dunaway joke when I made it, so I got like two <laughs> likes out of that. I thought that was going to land, and it didn't, you know? It's cold. It's cold blood is what it is, man. Oh my god. It's been a while. It seems like it's been forever, but you know, not really though. But I'm gonna ask Jamie, what you been watching, girl? Well, mainly we saw it. And that was that was awesome. I I I really loved it. And I'm super excited that it's if it hasn't already by today, it's super close to breaking two hundred million and it hasn't even been a week since that movie came out. So nice. That makes me very happy for horror in the theater. Uh, it, you know, R-rated horror in the theater, no less. So, um, 
yeah, that made me thrilled. And then because of that, we watched, uh, it gave me the itching to want to watch the original miniseries. So we watched that and I realized, wow, that does not hold up all that well. <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> um, I just woo. Um, <laughs> now, I mean, Tim Curry is still Tim Curry, which is great, but I'm watching it the whole time. I was like, yeah, this is not scary, like, at all. Even, But even when I was a kid, when it came out, it didn't scare me. So I thought it was, but I just thought it was better. And um, so I'm watching it, and I'm like, this is not very good. And, like, I like the first part way better than the second part, and I think that's pretty much the way everyone feels. Um, well, I'm a bit of a Harry Anderson enthusiast, so I don't, I I don't love, feel the same way you do sometimes. No, but. I love Harry Anderson. I absolutely love Harry Anderson. I had a huge crush on him uh, back in the 80s. And uh, it. so, yeah, I love him. But it's just the scene where we're introduced to him and he's doing his stand-up bit at the cl- uh, like on TV is not, is not funny at all. And yeah, the, the, I was the, like... The joke, the jokes he's making when 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 they find out that Stan's dead is is probably better than the jokes he's making on the show. Absolutely, yeah. He actually gets a little funnier, and I even laughed out loud once later on in the show. But when we were actually supposed to be viewing his actual stand-up, not funny at all. I mean, it's like depressingly not funny. So, um, I did, however, learn that if for any reason I ever go catatonic, all Brian has to do is put me on a bicycle and ride me down a hill, and everything's going to be fine. Naturally. Um, other than that, uh, we watched Don't Breathe again recently. Um, we went to visit Brian's mother-in-law. We always take movies over there. So we watched Don't Breathe and that was a fun, I just, I love watching her reaction to movies. She loves horror movies, but I love watching her reaction to things. And so that was really fun because she was like, oh, oh, (laughs) oh, this is so scary. (laughs) And it was very cute. Um, I can't think of, I know I've watched a crap ton of stuff, but that's all that's coming to mind right now. Fair enough. Hmm. That's good enough, I guess. That (laughs) that is good enough. I'm sure something will come back later on. But, um, Jeffrey, what'd you watch, sir? You know, I have not seen it yet. I did try to watch the original miniseries uh, two or three weeks ago. Got about 20 minutes into it and just kind of bailed. I... I can't figure out why Pennywise talks like he just walked off the docks of Long Island, and that <laughs> bothers me, so I turned it off. Um, what have I been watching? We've got a friend who is interested in horror movies, so every time she comes over, we show her things that we think are essentials that she needs to have to really be a horror fan. So we watched the original Wicker Man again recently, and that is so great. I love that movie so much. And we followed that up with uh, Tenebrae, since she'd already seen Suspiria. And speaking of Suspiria, where uh, Cootie and I are going down to Nashville this weekend to see that uncut Italian print. Nice. Which is not coming anywhere near here, but mm-hmm. we'll drive that four hours to Nashville to go see it by the gods. So we'll talk about that next time. Uh, beyond that, you know, it's pretty much just wrestling and comfort movies. May Young Classic was pretty awesome. That's what but, I hear. Yeah, but I mean, I've been working a lot, so it's like I haven't really felt like watching anything I have to pay attention to. I just need shit in the background. It's kind of like it's like mashed potatoes movies. It's just comfort films. So that's really all I've been into lately. Mm. Yeah, I know potatoes. Potatoes. Mm-hmm. 
potatoes, <laughs> potatoes for the Irishman. Yes, I, I get, I get how racist you are. Yeah, you were, where you went there, you know. No, I'm. Ah. <laughs> My feelings are not hurt whatsoever, but you know. Sorry to all you patty mix out there who my bright brethren who are offended, but not really. I'm not really sorry at all. <laughs> I apologize for no man, you know. But uh, me myself, I didn't see Stevie King's it either. The new one, I, I didn't see the new one. Wanted to go see it uh, yesterday, didn't really happen. So I figured Mother was coming out this weekend. That looks bizarre as fuck. So I'll go see that and Mother in the same sitting, and I might have a real surreal time. And uh. I, I wrote my rhyme surreal with real there. That was that was bad, but hmm, say lovey. But I did watch um, Dead Kids on Shutter, which is a film we're gonna cover. I don't know when it's gonna happen. It's 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 in one of those scheduled shows that's gonna happen at a, at a time to be determined later. But it's basically disturbing behavior, but way before his disturbing, disturbing behavior. You know, trying to make uh, semi delinquent kids into good kids. But programming them to kill in this movie, which is really strange, and uh, and it's got Mark McClure, who most of you guys know as Jimmy Olsen from the Superman films, and um, Louise Fletcher, and I've always been a a Kate Rambo guys guy people, and uh, she um, from Rockwell High School. Day Young is in that film as well, looking very cute. It so was, was a, Fi- so mm? was Fiona Lewis. Mm-hmm. Fiona Lewis, who was Andrew Stevens' girlfriend in The Fury, and he spun her around and around until blood shot out of her eyes. I'll have to see this movie now, see? Yeah. We, we have it somewhere, I know. <laughs> um, oh, for, for no good reason, and don't ask you why, I had the movies in, in alphabetical order on the screen, and I decided to watch Action Jackson, because I figured, you know what, it can't be as bad as I remember with a cast like this, it has to be good, right? N- no, it's it's just not very good. <laughs> which is which is shameful because you have you have a, a a kung fu fighting Craig T. Nelson in this movie doing that stuff, and Bill Duke is in this movie, and crazy amount of of actors that you know and love are in this movie, and it is just terrible. It's a terrible action movie, but you know. Uh, Jericho Jackson, a.k.a. Action Jackson, knows how to do everything, apparently, including be a lawyer, but he chooses to be a cop, and and it's just really stupid jokes, like he's trying to do one-liners, but they're not really landing, and mmm, no, no to Action Jackson, it, it sucked back then, and apparently it sucks now, so I'm not going to go back to that movie ever again, unless, you know, hey, let's do it for a podcast one of these days. The Many Faces of Carl Weathers snaps. All two of them. All two of them, yes. Arrogant and dead. Yep. There you go. Sorry, Rocky Four fans. Yeah, he went down because he was cocky. But um, I watched Baby Driver, and that's that's a movie made by Edgar Wright that's just kind of mediocre. I, I agree with uh, our man John Cross, who did the most probably one of the most romantical, sappy things you could ever do to a woman. Uh, proposed to his longtime girlfriend Kimberly underneath the Eiffel Tower. You know. Congratulations, you crazy kids. You know, um, he hates Edgar Wright films past, uh, I want to say The World's End, because he really didn't like that, doesn't like films without Edgar Wright and, and Simon and Simon Pegg together doing stuff, because they, they are kind of shit. I, mean, I like Scott Pilgrim and everything, but it's not a good movie. The dialogue is really shitty, but I enjoy watching it. Ugh. Baby Drivers, it's, it's okay. I, I like watching John Hammond things, so I got that. 
with your titular baby driver, you know, his, his whose driver, his name is Baby, nicknamed, of course, who it's a cool concept for a film. It's about an autistic guy who is a wheelman for Kevin Spacey who, who robs banks and stuff. And he doesn't want to do it anymore, falls in love, blah, 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 bullshit. I still have an hour of this movie to go, people. I'm just telling you what I saw. And then I, I may not go back to it. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, um, and, and just really bad dialogue and a lot of songs with, with the word baby in them because that's clever, but not really. And, yeah, n- not recommended. But I'm, uh, I'm continuing with Ray Donovan, and that's a really good TV show. So, I, again, from last episode, watch Ray Donovan. It's, it's really good stuff. <laughs> I don't have anything else uh, that I really watched of note, so I will go on to our next segment, which is the beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the barley uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't order fries. Barbecue beef. Mine's the juke deluxe. Okay, who gets the barley beef? I heard that. Jamie. What's pissing you off, girl? Not a thing that I can think of. My life has improved so much stress-wise since I started working this different job. I am just in a much better mood all the time. I don't have anxiety about going to work like I used to. I just am. And I just I can't think of anything that's really bothering me right now. Gotcha. Uh... Mr. X, Mr. Jeffrey, how you doing? What are you, what's pissing you off, sir? I'm kind of with Jamie. Nothing's pissing me off. Um, work has eased up a little bit, which means I have time to do creative things. So I've written two short stories in the last four days. What? What? So, yeah, right. So I'm I'm in a good spot. Mm. Well, I know that's just fucking weird, but yeah, yeah, I'm in a good spot. Well, it's it's good to be happy. You know, it's it's good to be happy about things. I'm not unhappy about things, just, you know, l- little random things that I'm, I'll nitpick about, you know, like, <sighs> here's a prime example, how, how people are idiots that have read the, the book Stephen King's It, which is, you know, from Stephen King's I'm on a lot of cocaine 1986 phase, where he included a, a, a passage in the book or a part of the book, it's been so long since I read this book, but there's a point where they, the boys are in the sewer with Beverly Marsh and they're lost, and they run a train on Beverly Marsh, and they they get found or something. Stephen King was trying to explain why he did this, and I don't particularly care. But what I'm talking about is these idiots who say, well, that part still wasn't in the movie. It's like, yeah, because as an R-rated film, you're not going to go show children fucking at a girl in a sewer and get a, get a rated for your film. And who would really want to watch that anyway? You, you fucking simpleton motherfuckers just talking... Oh, why is that part still not in the film? Because it's not necessary. Just, just, just leave it, leave it alone. You know, I uh, it bothers me. You know, <laughs> oh, anything else? And I don't, I don't think, uh, yeah, I'm not even bothered by much either. And just everything's uh like clockwork. You know, just work stuff. You know, that's that's normal stuff for me though. It's it's Jamie, me and Jamie work out hours, but. I work with a lot more assholes than Jamie works with, apparently, because these people just, you know, can grate on your mind and make you think awful thoughts. But, you know, once they leave, it's just me and the birds chilling. So that's that, That's fine, you know? And that's my contentment. Beautiful thing. But um, that's it for, for that segment, and we're going to move on to our features, which is, uh, we're supposed to have two guests on this show, but they both had to bail, and which is, uh, these things happen. 
So you get the three of us talking about these great, well, two great, <laughs> police uh, race relations films. They're all about interracial police partners in, in, the, in, the, in the work sense, of course, not in the, the other way. You know, nothing, nothing wrong with that or anything, but uh, there you go. But uh, <laughs> not nothing wrong with that. But uh, we're going to discuss the, 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 the white men can't police and uh, Money Train, starring Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. Uh, the one that X has the biggest boner over is, is Nighthawks with Billy Dee Williams and Sylvester Stallone and, of course, Rutger Hauer. And the one I got the biggest boner over, uh, spoilers, Running Scared, because it's the most Chicago, Chicago film ever made, uh, starring the great uh, late Gregory Hines and the very alive Billy Crystal. I think we're to get the, the, By the, that logic, I guess I <laughs> should have the boner over Money Train. But boner that- over... <laughs> that is not a thing. <laughs> that's not a thing that's going to happen. <laughs> and that's fine, because, you know, I think we're going to get the, the, the messy one out of the way first and do Money Train first, just just, just to get the, the nastiness out of the way, because who wants to harbor all that hatred for, for Woody and Wesley when White Men Can't Jump is so good? But uh, <laughs> we're going to get to that um, right after this. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, Trude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept up. Little history all popping up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. It's Christmas in New York, a time for giving, a time for peace. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's rumble. But beneath the streets... Come on, Grandma! Stay for two transit cops. You know, this job can be hazardous to your health. It's no holiday. I say you guys are the best. Well, modesty prevents me from... Well, no, it doesn't. I, we are the best. They're not just partners. They're family. This is your brother? I see the resemblance. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. I mean, it does take a special kind of person to do this job. You're not going to hit him. Why not? Because I'm going to hit him. Someone with dedication. Perseverance. Courage. Cojones. I, I am getting excited. 
just always got to be the coolest. You always got to be the smartest. You got to be the guy who gets the girl. Let's see what you got now. You're a bad gambler, Sonny Jim. You're in debt up to your eyeballs. I have to look after my brother. I can understand about you and your brother. What I'm not understanding is what's going on between you and me. You brought the money, right? Yes, 300 bucks. Hey, mother owes Mr. Brown 15,000. 15,000? <laughs> Drop it. Ah! They made their reputation by being on the edge. You want me to admit I have a problem? Okay, I have a minute problem. Minute? John Bobby, he has a minute problem. You have a sickness. But now, you're a disgrace to this organization. You're a wreck looking for some place to happen. One of them is about to step over the line. Three, four million at least. You know what we could do with that kind of money? We're not going to rob the money train. Why not? Because we're, we're cops. Charlie is going down, and you are the only family that he's got. Give me long rifles and M16s rapid fire at 30 meters. What the hell are we going to do? We can't stop this thing even if we wanted to. Go faster. Get on or get out of the way. Money train. Uh, money train from, from some year in the 90s. My tablet took a shit. So let's let's roll with this, okay? Uh, starring Woody and Wesley, like you mentioned, and uh, also Robert Blake and Jennifer Lopez. And uh, what's that actor's name that uh, that played the firebug in the film X? Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper is in this movie playing a psycho. That's lovely. But uh, it's about two uh, brothers by their brothers by adoption, of course, because one's black, one's white. Uh, Getting to some spills, and then they're, they're they're subway cops, and they they have a lot of subplots in this film, but the main subplot is Robert Blake is uh, the boss of what they call the money train, which collects all the money from the transit system, and then in one of the subplots, Woody Harrelson wants to rob the money train. Uh, One of the nearly forgotten subplots till the very end, when it's just like, oh yeah, by the way, this is going on. You know, the title of the fucking movie. So many subplots. (laughs) But I'm I'm, going to start... uh, with X, bring, bring, bring some heat to money trains, sir. What'd you think? No, about it, no, 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 no. I'm going to defer to Jamie because she may hate this movie more than I. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know how that's. I mean, well, that that was a silly thing to almost say. <laughs> I don't know how much you hate this movie, so it could be entirely possible. No, but, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Take first crack. Well, I mean, this movie is not good. I uh, <laughs> I remember when it came out, and I didn't see it, and. <laughs> So there's a story. Um, <laughs> I remember when it came out and nothing happened with that. So uh, I saw those hey, ads. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like this movie. Uh, I, but I always thought it would be good because I liked White Men Can't Jump. Like I like Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson together. So okay. Well then, um, I told X the story. Be like off, off air, but. Um, when I was mentioning them, the movies that we're watching for this show, I was like, Brian's like, what are you watching? And I was like, Nighthawk, Nighthawks. And he's like, sweet, got that on Blu-ray. And I was like, okay. I said, Running Scared. He's like, that's okay. And I said, <laughs> I said, Money Train. He's like, nope, not watching that one. <laughs> no, he's already seen it. <laughs> but um, so I watched it by myself. And um, 
this movie has no idea what it wants to be, first of all. Because is it a heist movie about someone trying to rob the money train? Is it a buddy cop movie? Is it some movie about this weird love triangle with the Jennifer Lopez who... For how did she continue having an acting career after this movie? I don't know. Because, wow. And this whole scene where she's pretending to be drunk uh, when they're doing the the um, undercover thing on the, the platform. I just, that, that was bad. Totally. Like, she's just bad. And I have, my biggest issue stems from the very first thing we see in this movie. When I'm like, are you going to seriously try and convince me that the NYPD spends money on having three men go undercover to sit around in the subway system and then they're going to shut down the subway system because these guys are running through the tunnels to catch some petty fucking thieves who steal who roll drunks that is not going to happen i mean first of all they might have some cops in plain clothes wandering around just to randomly catch people but they're not going to set aside three guys to stake out a platform to do this and then when they start chasing the guy through the tunnels they're just going to shut down the subway system because that's not fucking happening. And I'm just overall like some guy swiping a gold chain off of a drunk man. No. Okay, there are way bigger things going on in New York City. Hell, there are bigger things, go- <laughs> there are bigger things going on in Mayberry <laughs> than that. So it just doesn't, it makes very little sense to me that this is their job. Like, this is what we do. We, <laughs> and, um, yeah, and they they make it so serious. Like they're like, shut down this line and this line and this line and shut down the money train. And he's like, No, nobody shuts down the money train. You know, and money train keeps rolling. <laughs> make sure so you make sure funny. you track the progress of the train on this kind of big bulletin board we stole from the <laughs> making of Pelham one, two, three. Just got fucking lights and shit. That's where the train is. Ah. <laughs> uh. And then they're like, and then they chase this kid for like 20 goddamn minutes. And then they end up running him in, of course, to the money train area where those cops, they don't take any shit. Anybody comes from the money train, they're taking him down. So they shoot this kid and they're like, you shot the kid. And I'm like, you chased this kid for 20 minutes over a gold chain. That's not going to be a thing. It's just not. It's just not. You know, maybe in maybe what we would like to think that our law enforcement went after people that doggedly. But in New York City... It's just not going to happen. So I was just already like, get the fuck out of here when <laughs> when that happened. I'm like, just get the fuck out of here with all of that. Oh, and I forgot. There was another plot line. It also doesn't know if it wants to be a movie about Chris Cooper torching people alive, which, by the way, is my favorite of all of those ongoing, nonsensical, why in the hell are these all in the same movie plot lines. And that one, you get absolutely nothing. It means nothing. There's no... Doesn't matter. But that's my favorite thing. I'm like, that is an interesting story. You've got this guy who douses people with gasoline and then sets them on fire. Okay, I am down with that. And then, like, see how, like, his hand is all burnt? That's cool. You know, that's a nice detail. But that's a detail they didn't bother to put in the rest of the movie, and they didn't bother to... They don't care. I do have gripes with that first scene, though, even with that, because, like... He doused that whole booth and then he lit the fire and she's just standing over in the corner and the fire's not touching her and fire's not getting anywhere near her. Then Wesley Snipes shoots everything out and like suddenly he's able to get through to the other side to her and then pull her out without getting 
on fire and that I don't know how that happened because that whole thing was engulfed in, in flames. It should have been all over. She should have been dead. It, none of that made any sense, but whatever. And if, if I learned you know, anything, if I learned anything from Billy Baldwin, oxygen can only hurt the fire at that point. You know, a little backdraft. You know, just uh, yes, yeah, backdraft. <laughs> yeah, be- um, better movie than this movie for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but I will tell you this: if you have ever wanted to see Wesley Snipes and or Woody Harrelson in numerous, numerous fistfights, this this is the movie for you. Um, also they do that really, they do a really crabby job of, they, like, you can kind of tell they're trying to do the Billy Crystal thing when, or like the, what's his name? Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. Uh, thank you. The Billy Crystal Gregory Hines thing when they get, when they're like, the guys come up and attempt to mug them and then they start fighting amongst themselves and then the guys just get bored and wander off. Yeah, you know, those, those um, guys have comedic timing, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Those guys know what they're doing. These guys, this just, this scene bored the crap out of me. I was with those guys. I wanted to wander off. I was like, can I just go with y'all? Where are you going? <laughs> and I just don't know of any thugs who are going to be like standing there holding guns going on, guns on them going, hello, this is a robbery. Hello. Like, I just, they're living some sort of alternate universe. <laughs> I don't, I just, I didn't find it entertaining. I didn't find it fun. I didn't really find it to be a complete film. Like it just, it was all over the place. It had no idea what it wanted to do. And the tone was just haphazard and crazy. I, you know, am I supposed to like Wesley Snipes because he purposely went after the guy that he knew his foster brother was in, was like falling for? Am I supposed to like her because she spent all evening with Woody Harrelson then and spent all like, well, she danced with Wesley Snipes, then spent all evening with Woody Harrelson, then played, then boxed with with Wesley Snipes, then slept with Wesley Snipes, and kept going with Wesley Snipes. But it, what am I supposed to think about her? Because I don't really like her. Yeah, I, I, I imagine what you have to do before you sleep with Wesley Snipes. He makes you box him, and then <laughs> you can sleep with him. That's and like a pre. That's like a prenup. A pre. Well, all right, I'd be down with that. I guess. Then, um, somewhere in there is this tiny 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 little plot where Woody Harrelson wants to rob the money train and I I don't like do I, am I supposed to believe these guys would do that these are cops who chase down little guys for 20 minutes over a gold chain you know this is a cop who he's off duty and he's traveling somewhere else and he sees a guy get boosted and he like nails the kid on a train just for the hell of it I mean they actually seem to care and so I'm supposed to believe that they're going to heist all this money? I just, I don't, or at least he is. I mean, I know he's got this gambling problem that we kind of hear about. Um, <laughs> but it's just, that's the problem, is there's no focus. There's no focus, and it ends up just, um, I don't know, it, it's a mess. It's a mess, and I did not like it. So then when Brian came home, I was finishing up the movie, and I'm like, this movie is bad. And he's like, I know. <laughs> So, there you go. Oh, X. You know, Jamie hit a lot of the same points that that I had written down in my notes, and that's fine. So I'm just going to tell you what I have left over after what she said. Um, there are a lot of issues with Money Train, and the big one, like Jamie said, is that no one seems to know where to focus. This movie needs Adderall. <laughs> 
This movie made me think I need Adderall. This movie made me want to watch Blade Trinity because it's a better Wesley Snipes movie. It is. Than this. Especially when the biggest plot line in this movie seems to be white men can't fuck J-Lo. <laughs> so, by trying to focus on all of these things, Money Train doesn't know where the hell it's going, and it's practically unwatchable. Um, like Jamie said, the, 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 the plot line with the torch, the Chris Cooper character, that's really good. That's really interesting. He's all scarred up and burned and shit. And he looks like a, almost like a Spider-Man villain. So I kind of dig that. Yeah. And I would be happy with a whole movie about that guy and trying Thanks. to catch that guy. He was great. Honestly, I would take a whole movie about any single subplot in this movie because those would have been, if not great, then at least good. But when you smush it all together, it's kind of like... It's like a gigantic booger ball under a school desk. I mean, it's fascinating because there's so much stuff there, but you can't look at it for long and you really don't want to touch it. <laughs> so, Money Train is a booger ball. Oh, man. But I, I, I didn't apologize for yoga hoses, but I, I, do, I do apologize for, for Money Train in that. Oh no, motherfucker! You should have apologized for yoga hosers. I'm, I'm not. Go- I'm still. Don't, I still don't apologize for yoga hosers. You know. Now, <clears throat> X, uh, you said that I mentioned a lot of the things that you. What were? I'm just curious what what bothered you as well. I mean, just because oh, I mentioned just, just, just the total just the total lack of focus. Oh, okay. Just the fact okay. that this movie is this movie is everywhere, and none of the characters react in a reliable or responsible fashion. They don't even stay true to themselves. So when you have all these different subplots that are kind of twisting all over each other like, you know, like a friendship bracelet, it just uh, it just doesn't work. You just don't know what to follow. So well, I'm glad I'm not alone in that because No, and you know what? And I thought Robert Blake was terrible in this movie, but Oh, he was. But my favorite thing that Robert Blake ever did was Lost Highway. So, you know, I'm in your house. That's the best line that guy <laughs> ever uttered in his life. That's better than we're going to be. What does he say? We're going to be twisting ass or or. I don't I don't even oh. know. He's like, it's just I, I almost wrote it down. I didn't have anything to write it down with. And I said no. And then but I wish I had because it was the, one of the worst lines ever. He's like, we're going to we're going to be. Oh, Entwining our asses, or no, it's not that formal. It was something I, I forget, but anyway. Oh, we're gonna be tangling ass. That's what it was. <laughs> something that from sounds the, like you're hitting from, on them, right? Something oh. from the bad guy handbook. <laughs> I, I I gotta I gotta talk about that in, in my my part of this review because Robert Blake in this film just seemed like he wanted to fuck Woody and, and Wesley's characters, just like. You fuck on my train, I'll stick my dick up your ass. You know, like he's even give like the big fuck me, fuck me eyes. You know, I don't even know how to explain it, but he I'm just seemed. Sure that, I'm pretty sure that model train had been into Blake's tunnel a couple of times. Oh yeah, uh, the, the stories that could tell. Oh, you know. I know. One of my favorite lines was when he said, "You take a bite out of me, and you're gonna be br- like, you're gonna be brushing your teeth for a week to get the take. T- no, you're gonna be licking your ass for a week." to get the taste out of your mouth and I'm like so you just told him you taste worse than shit how is that how is that an insult to him like if his ass tastes better than you 
didn't that that makes him look good, doesn't it? I mean, like, <laughs> what? You need pieces of shit for breakfast? Yes, that goes. I was just gonna say, we're on the same page. Yeah, you take a bite out of me, you're gonna be licking your ass for a week to get the taste out of your mouth. That makes no sense, asshole. <laughs> thanks, thanks, McGruff. Oh my god! Yeah, but the biggest one of the biggest problems people expect is is you know Hollywood's perception of what he of, of uh, Wesley Snipes at this point because they would watch anything he was in, even if it was good or bad. I mean, do, do I like Passenger Fifty Seven? I like it. Okay, it's not a good movie, but it lets you out in about seventy eight minutes or so. So you know that's 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 a thing in that movie. Um, but people would watch anything he was in, and I think one of the biggest problems with this film if people were expecting white men can't jump and it unfortunately was not written and directed by ron shelton who is a as a director writer that i would love to get his whole filmography because from bull durham to this to blaze and not so much tin cup you know i would love to talk about his work because they had chemistry in white men can't jump that was written well and directed well this film did not have that and I think that a lot of those subplots had something to do with it. Like, there were so many subplots in this film. You mentioned, you mentioned the thing with the torch, which was neat, but it really didn't go anywhere. Were they in, there were, were they in the in the, in the the transit area to look for this guy? Or just having General general Jack Assingery? Um, Jennifer Lopez was not necessary. You, you could have cut her right out of the film. But they had this yeah. thing, you know, where, where, oh... It would have been a better movie. I think Maybe. New York Undercover was the big thing at the time, and they figure, oh, we'll th- we'll throw this Latina female in the mix with these with these two cops, and you know we'll we'll, we'll make it interesting, make having them, one of them fall for her, but they're both falling for her, and I think she's fucking one and possibly fucking the other. I don't know. She's got no loyalty at this point. Just a lot of like smart quiffs and what what whatever she she's doing in this film, which is not much. Um. This isn't good. I mentioned Robert Blake. <laughs> it's a this is a trash film, and I, I and later later on I, after I programmed it and we watched the films, Freebie and the Bean would have been a much better choice to watch. Yes. Than this movie in the uh, yeah that that was my mistake because Money Train is a is a trash film, and I wouldn't recommend many folks watching it and. It, it has some neat action parts in it, you know, with, like, Wesley jumping or Wesley's stuntman jumping across trains and such, but the whole idea of them doing this and then these side plots and that side plot and Woody stealing money very easily from this train. This wasn't an Ocean's Eleven-type setup, people. He loosened the grate in the bottom of a train because he happened to see it and decided to run out with s- some money and... Not a lot of money, mind you, just enough for him to probably get put away in jail for maybe a good five to ten, three with good behavior. So, is it worth it? Not really. But then again, neither is this movie. So, that's a uh, that's money train, people, and it's bad. But the train is coming, baby, and it's stupid as fuck. So next would be our ratings. Cause I doubt anything else. Anybody else says anything about the movie? So, Jamie. One to ten, yeah. what is your rating, sir? Ma'am, sir, ma'am, <laughs> sir, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, ma'am. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I'll give points individually, one for Wesley Snipes and one for Woody Harrelson. And that's just, not for this movie, but just in general, because I like them. And that's... 
That's all this movie's getting out of me. You go, Tallahassee. I severely, I seriously, seriously fast-forwarded through at least three fight scenes. Only because I knew, I mean, like, like you know, like where I was watching it, I was fast-forwarding through them. Um, because I knew I wasn't going to miss any dialogue uh, during a fight scene. So I was just, any time where I wasn't in jeopardy of missing what was actually going on, I would fast-forward through it just to get through this movie as quickly as possible. So, yeah. It was bad. Yeah. Or running scenes. I would I would speed those up, too. There's a lot of running scenes, yes. That yeah. You could double. I watched this movie in about 47 minutes. That's that's <laughs> that's efficiency right there, see. <laughs> I'm kidding. It wasn't. It was painfully much longer than that. Yes. <laughs> I think it's almost two hours long, actually, if I'm not mistaken. I know. I know. I was actually looking at one point to see how long I had left, and I saw the total run time was like 149. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Who did this? Yeah, hour and 50 minutes of this action comedy slash crime, apparently filmed from IMDb. And, uh, X, lay it on you, man. There is no payoff to Money Train. There! That's my, (laughs) that's my tagger. That's a good Um, one. Yes, indeed. I, 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 three, three, piece of shit. Look at these garbage films. Rising Sun, Drop Zone. The Fan, Boiling Point, I've seen all of these movies. I've seen all of these movies, okay? Even Demolition Man, if you watch it today, is a big old piece of shit, but let me tell you, I enjoy the hell out of it, you know? Ugh. Yeah, my, my rating's a, a, a four, and I'm being generous. It's, it's, wow! Yeah, it's, it's not very good. And I, I don't know it, the last time I heard you go that low. It's like tingle all over again. I, I, I felt bad for, for saying, Make okay, it. let's watch this movie. <laughs> and then, you know, it's not very good. Well, this is this is not as very good. And it should be delved and delved and shelved into obscurity and not, not to be watched ever again. Kind of like Action See, Jackson, you know. I actually felt like when I was watching this movie, I was like... I'm sh- I was just sure that this is one of those movies that you love, you know. No, it's not. <laughs> it, it was a film that I remember enjoying slightly okay, and it, it fit the concept of the show, so I said, okay, let's throw Money Train on, you know. Now you're saying, let's throw Money Train out. Let's throw Money Train out. <laughs> let's, de- let's derail that Money Train like Thomas the Tank Engine and shit, okay? And I, I make that joke because if anybody's ever watched that show before, there's like derailment every episode. So it's a very depressing children's show. And uh, let's drive through Hoder in the snow. Oh fuck! Not no, oh fuck, but you know, they do derail a lot of that show. And uh, bad news for for the those trains. And uh, bad news this, for this train. This is the second train we've said bad things about in this episode: the money train and the train on Beverly Marsh. Yeah, yeah. Because that's no bueno either, you know, children, uh, yeah. We hate trains. We hate trains. Well, the other train's okay as long as it's not children, you know, and the girl's okay with it. <laughs> she, she's lonely and she needed the money, you know, but she gets mad when I throw canned goods at her. That's a joke That's a joke you can't get enough of, you know. But uh, next up are two better films, one of which we're going to discuss next, obviously, which I think will go with... Um, running scared because I, I want X to, to, to finish big like he always does and he promised a, a massive review for, for Nighthawks and I'll be really disappointed people so but next up we're going to discuss some, some funny stuff in Chicago
This is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. (laughs) The truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. (laughs) That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about Giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Let me tell you something. When you've been cops this long, you are not fit for anything else. We're looking for some new career challenges. Yeah, something with a future. Show me another career they let you shoot people. Give us your money. You're mugging us? I don't believe this. You better believe it or you're dead. Oh, come on. Let us keep the driver's licenses and the snapshots. And our badges. I can't believe that you missed all six shots. What are you talking about? I hit the windshield six times in a row. I'm the one who made him swerve. Oh, you made him swerve? Yes, sir. You always aim low anyway. Oh, good. Nagging me. Now, nagging is good. You owe me ten bucks and I never said anything. You want it now? Yeah, I want it now. Did I come at a bad time? Follow that car! Oh, now you're gonna criticize my driving? Well, just that you get to do all the dangerous stuff and I get to parallel park. job <laughs> <laughs> running scared from the grand year of 1986 why is this rated r we're gonna talk about drugs and violence i don't know but imdb listed as two streetwise Ch- chicago cops have to shake off some rust after returning from a key west vacation to pursue a drug dealer who nearly killed them in the past this has got a great cast uh gregory hines billy crystal uh stephen bauer who's currently on ray donovan actually Joe Pantliano, Joey Pants, Dan Hedaya, uh, 80s staple, uh, John Grease, my boy John Grease, I'll let me meet that guy one day, Jimmy Smits, there's tons of people, Don Kalfa's in this movie for a second, the late great Don Kalfa, I love that guy, but um, I love this film, and I, I really want to know what you guys think about the film too, so I'll I'll uh, I'll start with my friend, my friend X here, and uh, what do you say about it sir? 
Running Scared is kind of an amazing piece of prescient filmmaking because it's Lethal Weapon 3 before they made Lethal Weapon 3. If you look at Joe Pantoliano as Joe Pesci, at least, you know, for the 20 minutes he's in the movie, it works out really well that way. <clears throat> I think this is... Yeah, I think this is a very... <clears throat> this is going to sound like I'm damning with faint praise, so forgive me for that, but I think this is a very pleasant film. And I say that within context because in the 80s you had just a shit ton of buddy cop movies. You had a lot to choose from. You had the Lethal Weapon series. You had two stakeout movies. You had this one. And I think this one works. Even things like Dead Heat. Yeah, that's, right? That's a good one. That's a good that's one. A good one. <laughs> um, this would not have worked if Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines hadn't worked so well together. Their chemistry in this is really good. They're a lot of fun. I think it almost would have been more fun just to see them, like, I don't know, go grocery shopping for two hours or just have a heated game of gin rummy because once you're in the movie, you realize you're just there for the banter. No one really gives a shit about the actual plot. It's the 80s. You know what's Uzis and cocaine. Um, <laughs> That's right. I agree with the idea that you can go to Florida and just say, fuck it, fuck the rest of my life, I'm going to buy a bar, and that's all I want to do from now on. I understand that, totally. I've had that thought, so I can relate to the movie on that level. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is okay. This isn't great. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's there anymore, but having seen it in this film, I now want to visit the 666 Lounge. Right. Did you notice it was that that was in the shot right after the uh, the Jesus Save sign? Yes. I thought that was hilarious. So funny. It's like Jesus saves. And then it, like they pan around and like, swing around, do an opposite end shot. And it's like the 666 lounge. You know, it's like right there oh. on South State Street. That's um, awesome. Peter Hyams is a really good director. I think he's overlooked. He put out a lot of kind of like, I don't know. It's like he tried and like he did like the 2010, which is good people now kind of confuse it with 2001 as far as dialogue goes, but he put out a pretty good run of, of, you know, mid grade action films. And this is one of those. You can't go into it expecting, I don't know, Nighthawks, but <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Enjoy the dialogue, but there's not like any real tension in this. I never felt like they were ever really in danger, you know? So, with the exception of like the 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 trash crushing scene, you know, where he has them in their their un, their unmarked car in the, in the trash bin, you know, yeah, that was a really real dire situation. That's <laughs> it, and, and and of course the, the the very end, you know, which is which is pretty amazing, you know. The end is cool, but you know what? It's just loud. It's like I didn't think, oh shit, one of them's gonna die, you know. <clears throat> well, so. no, because this is the eighties. <laughs> and, right, I don't you know, know man. That hey. sort of thing didn't usually happen. Turner and <laughs> Hooch. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Right. So, well, a bull mastiff can make anything work. They're adorable dogs. <laughs> they're being truly dogs, but they're adorable dogs. So there's a lot of buddy. There's a lot of cop, but there's not a lot of actual tension or danger. So it's yeah, like I said, it's it's pleasant. You're not going to be mad you watched it. So watch it. Cool. Jamie. Okay, I saw this in the theater when it came out. Um, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> my mom was a big Billy Crystal fan, and I, I was too. We watched a lot of Billy Crystal stuff, and so I was down. And I enjoyed it a lot, and I don't think I've seen it since. 
I, it's not like a movie that I would rent a lot over the years or anything. So I was looking forward to seeing it for this just because it has been so long. But then we started watching it and I was like, I really don't feel like it's been that long since I've seen this. Like, so I don't know if it just stuck in my head that well, you know, for fuck 30 years <laughs> or if I have actually watched it recently and just don't remember doing it. Um, but it was specifically when Jimmy Smith and, and Joey Pants pulled up to the in the very beginning to the basketball court. And Joey Pants gets out with the with the pink hair that later when he's wet is kind of running down his face. <laughs> and then like in the next scene, it's magically fixed again, which I think is very funny. But um, so I don't really know. I mean, I might have watched it more recently and I just don't remember physically doing it because it just seemed so fresh. But anyway, I was um, I was glad to do it. I do enjoy this film. And you're absolutely right about the banter. You, you come for the banter. You stay for the banter. Because never at any point do you ever think they're in danger. Even when they've got, like, before we know about the other two cops and they're surrounded by five or six guys, you never for a second think that anything's going to happen to them. It just, you just know it. Um, even when Billy Crystal gets shot, I'm not sure how Gregory Hines didn't remember that he was wearing a vest, but I did. Um, <laughs> so um, I never for a second thought he was in any danger there. Uh, I love that... They have to throw their pants to Jimmy Smith's and they're both just happen to be wearing long underwear. But I guess in Chicago, that's probably not unheard of. So I don't know. Oh, it's winter, um, you know. Come on now. Yeah. I mean, but here in Michigan, I don't think people wear, I don't, they might. I don't know. I don't poll people, but um, <laughs> maybe hey. I will. But <laughs> I thought that was cute. That That'll be a new game. Hey, both, what, what kind of underwear are you wearing right now? Yeah, right. Uh, I thought it was cute when they're standing. They're both standing, aiming down the alley in their long underwear with their skinny little legs. That was that was cute. Uh, I love the scene where Gregory Hines gets flipped off by the little kid, and so he <laughs> knocks on the door again just so he can flip the kid back off, which I think is great. Uh, I love when they go to whenever they go to the 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 auto shop, and uh, that's just those are just fun little uh, come. I don't know. They're not important scenes, but they're fun. Uh, I love that they get their car modeled after a taxi cab, so it'll blend in. I just think that's cute. Uh, I, I don't know. This it is a very pleasant film. I mean, he's absolutely right. Uh, the, I mean, if you really want to break it down and get serious about it, I think it doesn't necessarily flow all that well you know we've got the whole chicago bit in the beginning then we take a break and go to key west then we come back to chicago it seems a little disjointed that in that respect but i also don't mind it because i really enjoy the key west parts i mean basically it's just a montage of girls in bikinis and them doing fun things and i i'm okay with that it's it's um you're not gonna I don't know. I mean, this is not a plot that you haven't seen before. I mean, X nailed it. You know, you know, it's Uzis and cocaine. It's well-dressed men in nice cars, Uzis and cocaine. That's <laughs> that's who the villain is. That's who, you know, it's always going to be. Uh, we get a fun car chase with a nun and a priest uh, driving down a train track, you know, because why not? It's It has all the elements that you'd expect from an 80s buddy cop film. And with the added bonus of their chemistry together, it just makes it work that much more. I mean, we even take a break and go to a funeral for with with a perp for no reason at all, but why not? I <laughs> I definitely say, yeah, if you've never seen this movie, check it out. It's it's fun. It's light. It's just it's just enjoyable. And 
that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing I miss from the eighties. To be honest, there's um there's something there's something to be said for nihilism and grittiness, you know, uh, on occasion. But and you're coming from someone who will nine point nine times out of ten will watch a horror film before I watch anything else. But on occasion, I just I need that. There's something refreshing about the lightness that we had in the eighties. And sometimes I just need that. So, uh, this was, this was welcome. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Great. Yeah. Me, myself, you know, being from the area and this, this film makes you very biased for that reason. Cause I'm not dumping on, I can never dump on the blues brothers. I might, I might lose my Illinois state of Illinois card if I dump on the blues brothers, but not a lot of that film was filmed actually in Chicago. A lot of it was filmed in the suburbs. Whereas this film you're all over the city. I mean, you, you, in the very the very end scene, they, they they actually filmed let them film inside the Thompson Center, which is 100 North Randolph, which is right there downtown, firing guns in there and everything else and yada yada yada, and that that's that's pretty spectacular because that's a one of the tallest buildings in the city, and um, that's what makes that closing scene so special to me. It, it's it's pretty awesome. I'll do that. And when they're driving on the train tracks, they're actually driving on the L train, on on the L tracks, and and that that's pretty sweet. You know, they I mean, they go from the north side to the south side, from Lakeshore Drive to to, to Lower Wacker Drive, and it's it's really great as a person who's been to all these places and hung out in Chicago to see all these places on screen, and they look substantially better now. But you know, that old Chicago feel, I guess. But like you guys said, the chemistry is there. I mean, there's not a whole lot of, of plot, except for uh, Julio Gonzalez, played by Jimmy Smith, is, gets, is a uh, known drug dealer who gets out of jail, all of a sudden he has a lot of money, so obviously he's getting back into business again, so they're after him. They get into scrape, they, they are forced to go on vacation, where you get that sweet Michael McDonald song, which still stays in my head after every time I watch this movie. You know, and um, I love it. You get practically the whole thing too, and I'm just singing along. It's it's a great vacation montage filled with airbrush it shirts. It is with, filled with airbrush shirts with breasts on them, which are, which are hilarious. And yes, they're and, having what we called growing up. We called it TV fun. Yes, and that's basically where you run around and you try on hats and you try on <laughs> t-shirts and then you you know you drop your ice cream cone and everybody laughs about it. You know. That's TV fun. <laughs> <laughs> of course, fishing, fishing for for marlin. You know that that's a that's a thing in this movie. Because that's what you want to do with your retirement is go fishing for marlin and possibly break your arm or c- catch a jaw shark in the mix. I I don't know how how Key West works, but um, <laughs> you would think like stuff like that would take you out of the film, but it it really doesn't. I I think that it, it enhances it in a way because you see more of their chemistry as as characters as well as their chemistry as actors together just just having a good time along with, with the old you know, the, the very decent action stuff you see in this film it's not like it's not gonna set your world on fire but the fact they were able to do all these real locations and like very little of this was sets like when they went up to the apartment buildings those were actual the actual apartments of these these, these buildings that inhabit the city and that that was pretty great and uh Joey Pants always shines as that 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 wise ass, and this is no exception. And uh, there's uh, there's lots. Of, John Grease is in this movie. They don't get to do much, 
but anything that has John Greaves gets an extra point for me anyway, any day of the week. So I love go. the lineup scene. Yeah, 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 with yeah. Joey Pants. Were they? <laughs> yes, that, they that's the guy. Like four <laughs> cops and then him. And I'm just <laughs> laughing hysterically. Oh, I mean, I was actually laughing out loud. I just thought that was great. And I'm looking at the looks on the cops' face. And I'm like, how exactly did they get them to play along with this? Because these guys don't look like they're all that entertained. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That you know, anything, anytime Billy Crystal is making voices on the phone, you, you, you laugh, you know, because talking about oh, yeah. petite marshmallows and his hot cocoa and Final Jeopardy and shit, and you know, when Gonzalez called them on his own car phone, and Billy Crystal's over there, tell him I said hello, and. Then- <laughs> And then Gregory Hines is talking to him, and then he's like, "Tell him I said hello." I'm just, I'm dying. I, that was great. Oh my god! But yeah, it's 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 hard to you know pick favorite parts of this film, except for you know like this the stuff that we mentioned, you know, because there's a lot of they, they they do their action scenes you know efficiently, and that and they'll pull it off in a lot of films the way they do in this film, and that's what makes it special to me is their their chemistry. And, you know, the, the, the city stuff and just the fact that it holds up after all these years it, for, for a film that the plot is pretty thin. I, th- I think it makes it pretty great. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that, basically. And uh, ask X, anything else you'd like to say about the film, sir? I think the name Lower Wacker Drive is funny. Wait, there's Upper Lower? There's Upper Wacker Drive and a Lower Wacker Drive. That cracks me up because I'm five. If you ever, if you ever, if you ever come to the city, we'll, we'll go have, we'll go have, we'll go have a, a, a cheeseburger at, at the Billy Goat Tavern over there. Well, you're an advanced five-year-old. Uh, I was an advanced five-year-old. <laughs> um, no, this is this this is a very it's it's a good film. It's not a great film. It's not a terrible film. It's a solid, pleasant seven, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's fair, Jamie. That's exactly where I was going to go with it. And I don't think, I mean, don't think that that's knocking it because it's not. I, I, I think a seven is appropriate because I don't think it's, you know, like, oh, my God, like it didn't blow the doors off of making films. But it, it is, you know, it's pleasant. It's enjoyable. It's fun. So, yeah, I think I might even go. I'm like, hmm. No, nah. <laughs> I'll stay with a seven. I think that's good. <laughs> Oh, I was about to go seven point. You know what? I will give it a seven point five. Why not? Fair <laughs> I'm in a good mood. <laughs> you 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 are in a good mood. It's very jovial mood. Well, I'm I'm done with money train. <laughs> well, that's good. That's we got that one out of the way first. That that big that big derailment known as money train out of the way first. <laughs> but um, yeah, good great chemistry, great direction by Hyams, great locations. Make this film an eight for me because I am biased. So I'm gonna go a little bit higher than everybody else. I expected so, you to go higher than that, to be well, honest. Which not, would be it's, fine. It's not a ten, Jamie. It, 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 like, like you said, well, there is a, lot, a number in between eight and ten. You know, there, there, there is a lot of problems <laughs> with the film, and you know, but not not to say other movies terrible. Like no, there's just there's just little problems, and that that keeps it at an eight. So you, you know go. what's funny is uh, when. When I finished watching this, Brian was like, do you like that movie? I was like, yeah, it's okay. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I think I like Nighthawks the best and Money Train the worst. 
Obviously. And he's like, he's like, that one rides like right down the middle. And that's exactly what I had been thinking like a minute before he asked me that question. I was thinking about doing the show. And I was like, yeah, I was so spoilers <laughs> for, up, for the upcoming. Um, but that's exactly how I saw it, too. It just rides pleasantly down the middle of the track. And, um, you know, I just realized there's a, that a train track features heavily in this film. And then we have a tram in the next film. There's all, it's all about modes of transportation. Beautiful. Begin with tra. 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 <laughs> it's all mass transit. Oh, that's even better. That's a better way to put it. <laughs> oh, I, I like the other way. <laughs> modes of transportation that we begin with tra. Tra. <laughs> so somebody needed a trolley. <laughs> We had those two in Chicago, those, those dim trolleys, you know. And there's a garbage truck. Yes. Hey, that's right. <laughs> so okay. many, so many true sounds. <laughs> All right, and that's it for this one. And then we're gonna go on to our last review, which is Nighthawks. And I'm gonna let X take the reins on that one since he loves it all so much. Right after this.
this trip business or pleasure? Pleasure, I hope. Welcome to the United States. Hamer Reinhardt, sometimes called Wolfgar. Born Frankfurt, Germany, 1946. Educated Paris and Patrice Lumumba University, Moscow. Currently self-employed. Occupation, international terrorist. You are to be indoctrinated in counter-terrorist techniques. Deke de Silva, age 35. Born and raised New York City. Honorable discharge, U.S. Army, 1972. 52 registered kills. Occupation, cop. One man can bring the world to its knees. And only one man can stop him. Universal Pictures presents Sylvester Stallone in Nighthawks, coming in April. Nighthawks from 1981. I love this movie. All right, here's what IMDb says. Let's see if it sucks. It usually does. Uh, conservative street cop De Silva reluctantly agrees to terminate an international terrorist who has demanded media attention, but De Silva's at-home tactics are very much put to the challenge. I don't even know what that means. That's just a bunch of words. That's not even wearing, coherent. Wearing, wearing grody dresses that look like they came out of overboard purge, purge masks and wigs, you know? You're saying that like it's bad. I'm just saying, you know. It's not. It's not terrible. It's not. No, Nighthawks, I saw, <laughs> again, showing my age, saw this when it came out. My parents took me. It was 1981. And it impressed the hell out of me. And it's one of those movies that I just never, ever forgot. It made a, mm, it's still my favorite Stallone movie. That's probably saying a lot. I can't say that, but you, you, you go do your thing, brother. You know. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. This, I didn't realize until today, honestly, just how problematic the production for this movie it was. Um, three directors, including Stallone, who directed for a day and got fined for it by, by the Guild. The script is a weird conglomeration of a story about Carlos the Jackal, and the spec script for the French Connection 3. What the shit? Why would either of those things even exist? But you take those things together and you put them, you know, in, in, into a binder, apparently, and it becomes this amazing action film. It's not, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't think gritty's the word, but it's definitely got its own kind of unique feel. Well, it does. I think I was going to use gritty, and I, and I think really that's because of the setting because this is my fa this is my favorite New York that I've never had to actually live in um it, this is when New York was a fucking cesspool when it was just a pit yes. and um you get to see that uh which I always loved the feel in films but I'm I'm kind of happy that when I go there now it's no longer like that 
Um, <laughs> because, right, right. you know, eh. Um, but this, like, films like this and Maniac, uh, also with the, with the Spinel connection, um, you can feel that. You can feel it just dripping off the screen. And, uh, yeah, I don't think gritty is a bad word for it. I think that's actually a very good word because it fits. Well, like I said, it's gritty. <laughs> We get to see people, okay, we get from London to New York to Paris to New York. I mean, it's just, there's this whole buildup of of Wolfgar, the incredibly kind of brazen terrorist coming to the United States and just deciding to, you know, where's he going to strike? How's he going to do it? He's got his own little MO where he hooks up with a chick at, at, at a bar and then just kind of schmoozes his way into their home so he has somewhere to stay. He picks up this one chick at, at, at a disco, and it's hilarious because he even tells her, I am a wanted terrorist. There's a bounty on my head in lots of countries. And she's like, oh, come on. That's not true. Of course, it is true. And that chick yeah. sounds just like um, the woman from The Man With Two Brains, and it cracks me up. I just like to dance. Is it my voice? <laughs> is it my voice? Yeah, that scene makes me think of American Psycho, where he's like, I'm in Murders and, I- murders and Executions. Right. Do you like it? <laughs> <laughs> so, by the time Stallone actually has to combat uh, Wolfgar in his own terms, and he's working with Billy D. Williams, Billy D. fucking Williams is, is your partner on a counter-terrorist unit. That's so great. And Wolfgar just attacks them personally, slices Billy D.'s face open. I think this is the first movie where I actually heard the term you're dead meat way before Lost Boys. Oh yeah. So, But I don't know. We've, we've, we've talked about how these movies kind of have a lack of tension. Oh, shit. Money Train has a lack of anything. It doesn't have direction. It doesn't have fun. It doesn't have anything except hemorrhoids. This movie has real kind of nail-biting tension. There's, there's shit at stake in this movie, and there's nothing at stake in the other two. The scene that we were talking about on the on the tram, there's a tram in this movie, which Wolfgar um, hijacks, immediately shoots a woman, and just throws her into the river. Holy fuck, what? And that tram is full of UN dignitaries. So yeah, there's some heavy shit going on in this. But there's the there's the violence that's kind of on a national scale that's supposed to bring Wolfgar all this attention but it's the personal violence that really kind of holds the audience. So to me, it's just a perfect balance of, of those two things. Also, Jesus Christ, the soundtrack, holy shit, by Keith Emerson of Pretty Emerson, great. Lake, and Palmer. Love it, love it. I used the main theme from this movie as my Satan in the News bumper on Kiss the Goat for a long-ass time. Rucker Howard's great. Persis Kambada, who most people wouldn't recognize unless she were bald because she was Elia from the first Star Trek movie, she's in this movie. Um, Major. Right? Yes. Uh, Billy, Billy D's great. I mean, this is just as action as you can get. There's subway chases, there's hijacked trams, there's a disco shootout. It's, it's a blast. And you get to see for about uh, 90 seconds, maybe two minutes. Jamie Gillis, who was a huge 70s porn star, talking to the bionic woman. Now, if that's not just fucking surreal, I don't know what is. I'm surprised he didn't offer to piss on her. Um, 
But yeah, there is a fantastic Blu-ray version of this from Shout Factory, well worth owning. And I tell you what, Die Hard may be universally regarded as the greatest action movie of all time, and I agree with that, but I like Nighthawks better. Fair enough. Who's next, dude? Day three. Oh, shit, I'm sorry. Taste the rainbow. Fix it in post. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jamie! We'll go, with, we'll go with you, because I know we, we talked a little bit off-air that you like this movie also. So Oh, I do. Um, but this is not one that I was personally familiar with until now. Like Brian loves this movie. He has the Shout Factory Blu-ray. And so he was excited when I told him we were going to be watching this one. And um, I... Um, um, Oh, so Brian was excited when I told him we were watching this movie. He's like, have you ever seen this? And I said, I don't think so. But then when I was watching the beginning, he was like, do you recognize this? And I said, no, I kind of feel like that would stick out. Even though I knew before we got the reveal, I knew what it was. You know, um, <clears throat> just because it just seemed right. And then we get to the end and I actually knew the end and I've, I've seen the end. And I'm like, maybe I've seen this. No, and it actually turns out I have never seen this movie but I had seen clips of this movie in Terror in the Isles. Yes. And I don't know why this movie was featured in Terror in the Isles. And I didn't even realize that's where I knew it from until Brian told me that. That um, he's like, they featured it heavily in Terror in the Isles. And I'm like, oh, well, that's why I recognize some of these scenes. But I have no idea why that movie was in Terror in the Isles. It just seems kind of weird. But... Anyway, uh, I did I did really really enjoy it. Yes, there is a lot at stake throughout here. Uh, the complete opposite of Money Train. Actually, even the the opposite of Running Scared, where I never really felt any like they were in any danger. This dude, uh, Rucker Hauer, by the way, who is um, an excellent villain. Uh, he'll do anything. I mean, he um, he did save the baby, but uh, you know but I, I, why. Uh, but what? So, but why? Because we 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 get told that in the first explosion of the film that several children were killed. Why is it right. this baby? I don't yeah, know. yeah, I don't know. But um, you know, he did do that. But after he just in cold blood murdered a woman for no good reason. So and then threw her out of the tram, and we got to watch that body hit the water, and that was that was great. This is my favorite look for Sylvester Stallone. This is the time period in which I find him the, to have been the most attractive. I love this. I love him with the beard and the glasses and the coat. And like I love this Sylvester Stallone. I'm just like, yeah, yes. Uh, and then, of course, you've got him paired up with Billy D. Williams, who is, who is phenomenal. Um, Rutger Hauer is interesting. I love him. I feel like I should probably find him attractive, but to be honest, I can't and I never will because the first thing that I saw him in that I knew who he was, that I was actually familiar with who he was, was the Hitcher. And ever since that, <laughs> that's I can't get him out of my head as the Hitcher, and he disgusted me in that film. Like, it just, uh, I don't know, I keep picturing him having, like, like when C. Thomas Howell spit on his face and there's, like, a big wad of spit on his face, like the cut off fingers, the murdering the family. There's something about that movie that just makes me feel gross. And um, I really like the movie, but I just, I something about it has always made me feel gross. <laughs> like I do, I love that movie, but it just, there's something gross about it. And there's something gross about Rucker Hauer because of that movie. 
I can't shake it. Remember when we were having a conversation like months ago about people that we can never see differently because of some role they did. And he's one. I mean, he's just, I can't, it just, I can't shake it. And so as much as I like him and I think he's a fantastic villain, I just, I can't, every time I look at him, I see writer. And, uh, so anyway, um, there's that, but this was a really, really, really good movie. I love everything about it. I love the setting. I love the tone. I love the action. I love the characters. I, yeah, this was, this was a good time. And this is one that I can see watching a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, I've watched it many, many times. And I feel like I still get something out of it every time I watch it. It's, ah, floors me. What about you, Gary? What do you think, man? Um, I, uh, like I said, the chemistry's there. Although I think that Billy Dee's uh, character is kind of minimalized by, by Sly in this movie. I think they're both should be equal stars. If that's my biggest problem with the film, probably is. Uh, Wolfgar is a fine bad guy who likes to wear sweaters and sex up women. And I, I, I love the scene where she, she the, the the current woman he's uh, hitting and probably going to kind of quit her in the, in the worst way, finds his his big old box of weapons and shit in the, in the closet. It just seems like the classic trophy wife, like, I don't I don't know if I should open this. This is his things, after all. But l- let me take a look. And, you know, she, she takes a look, and it's, it's a bunch of... Know. I didn't, I didn't know. know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I swear I didn't burn the roast. Because <laughs> uh, this is a guy that would slap a white woman as fast as you could blink. And, uh, and th- that, that plot was fine. It took me a couple times to watch it to, to, to realize everything that was going on. You know, with his international, you know, is he a freedom fighter? Is he not a freedom fighter? Because you kind of sympathize with him for a little bit, you know? Like, is he doing this for God and country? Is he doing it for himself? You don't really know. It's just it's just kind of there, you know, blowing up jewelry stores and such. And, yeah. But, yeah, the, the, like you guys were saying, the, the tension is, is all over this film. And right up to, you know, when they're going to have, like, the big UN dinner party and... His boss is his, his chief or whatever is going up the escalator, and there's there's Wolfgar's lady at the top of the escalator. You know what's going to happen next? Kaboom! He gets shot in the chest. You know that that um yeah tension, like I said, the, in, in in the tram. You know because you're pretty much stuck in a place where you can't get out of until somebody brings it down. So you're at the mercy of this madman, and he knows it, and they know it. And Billy D. Williams is wearing a Superman T-shirt, but he's not impervious to knives to the face. Like there goes your malt liquor uh, endorsement, <laughs> sir. Man, this is the money maker, you know. Uh, I don't uh, know too many people who are impervious to knives to the face. I know I'm Just not. Say it. <laughs> uh, Sly, much like Shockma, hates doors because there's that subway scene where they're they're chasing down Wolfgar, and for some reason they can't get the door open, but they should easily get the door open. But you know, whatever, and. They get on the train eventually, but there's, there's just that scene like, like, come up, goddamn door! You know, can't open the door, you know, and just trying try to open the door, and I just think it's really funny that Shockma and Sly both hate doors, and uh, Shockma the monkey, of course. Uh, Shockma the monkey? Shock, yes. Shockma the monkey, yes. My favorite Peter Gabriel song. Yes, that, that should have been what it was about, I'm sure. In, inspired by Shockma and, and, Rod, and Roddy McDowell, yeah, as, as it should be. But, um, yeah, genuine t- attention, like I said, Sly, 
looks really bad in a dress. So, because of course you have the end scene where, of course, Wolfgar is has escaped because he falls in the drink and they think he's dead, but he's not dead. But he knows ju- he knows just where where Sly lives and that he happens to know that his lady is still there because whenever you tell white women to leave, there might be danger. Oh, I'm just gonna stick around, you know. And yeah, of course, Sly gets there first, much like in uh, is it lethal? Does he does Danny Glover get there first? In lethal weapon? They had a lethal weapon. I Much like does. in Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, that, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Ew, that's a creepy thought. Because he's kind of in drag, and he's kind of like, you know, yeah. What 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 big toes you have there, Sly Stallone, you know. Uh. Well, you, know this, you know what they say about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, good times. There's uh, very little takes you out of the film, except for, you know, all, all the, the profile stuff. But this is stuff you have to learn to, to say... Why is Wolfgar doing all this? It's like, yeah, this 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 whole lay down in, in, in the room lays it all out for you. And that's really really only exposition that you get on, on Wolfgar's character, so that is important, people. And um yeah, Nighthawks, good time. Again, like Jamie was mentioning, good good New York City locations, much like a running scared, it, it shines in this film. And uh I'm I'm gonna leave it at that. Go go watch Nighthawks if you haven't seen it before. Well, cool. Well, let's go ahead and keep going with you, Gary, and go around and give get, get last thoughts and a rating on this. Oh, I don't have too many more thoughts on the film, except you know, you don't want to give too much away because this is a film that you should you should watch, obviously. And I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Nice, nice. How about you, Miss Jamie? I don't really have much more to say about it, I guess, except that I do highly recommend it. If you've never seen it, then this is definitely one that you want to see, and. I'm going to say this is a nine. I would say that there is a lot of exposition in this movie, but I think it's done in a way that is not annoying. But really, all you need to know about Wolfgar is in the first five minutes because he kills Catherine Mary Stewart. What son of a bitch would do that? So that's how (laughs) you know this is a bad, bad man. And I also will give this a nine because this movie's fucking great. I want so bad to think of a of a of a scenario in which I can use the clip. This is Wolfgar calling. <laughs> yeah, I, sometimes I just tell people that there's no security and they just stare at me like I have no idea what you're. Man, I hate it when someone doesn't get my references. <laughs> I know. Well, That's this, why this... I love doing this show because you guys. And the older I... I get, the more obscure they are. I know. Like, I, God, feel I'm... You. I feel like, you. I feel you. I'm 20. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Great. Well, you guys grow actually up. get my obscure movie references and my weird music references and whatever, and I appreciate that. Well, between right one, on. between the two of us, one of us is going to get it, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I love, I love, I love Alex Edwards to death, man. But he sometimes he's like, "Well, I haven't seen that movie, but uh, I hear it's good," you know. And like, yeah, I love you, Alex, so much. <laughs> you know what's funny is Dan gets my references usually. Mm-hmm. Alex, not so much. He doesn't. <laughs> but Dan will get them. Um, but I, I know for a fact as a horror fan, Alex will catch up to all these great movies that that you make references to, and he doesn't understand. So there, there you go. Oh my <laughs> god! But this movie, I think it's criminally under, you know underseen. That's why they don't get your 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 references to Nighthawks. Because like you said, Jamie, most of the people you know horror fans, action fans, whatever that have seen Terror, Terror in the Isles, that 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 might be as far as their viewing of Nighthawks has ever went. And that's that's oh, it. Oh, probably, probably. 
That is so weird. Why is it in that movie? I don't know. It makes no sense to me. It makes no Did you ever see Terror in the Isles, incidentally? Oh, yeah. That's, that's another thing I saw in the theater, which, by the way, I mean, wow. A, I just think that's phenomenal, is that a horror documentary, basically a clip show, was aired theatrically. I love right? that. Didn't they have, like, blowout and stuff on there, too, though? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I just talked about blowout on Podcast Under the Stairs. Yes, so, did. I mean, even though it's not, I know, it's not a horror film, but... Um, there Duncan are elements. Talk about it. You guys both um, like it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they had, well, because and Nancy Allen was was doing, she was one of the talking heads. It was Nancy Allen and Donald Pleasance and... Jamie Lee. Have, and who? Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, was she? Yeah. Oh. Um, but, yeah, I remember, see, when we, and this is funny, when we were going to see that movie, <laughs> I my, my mom's like, come on, we're going to the movies. And I was like, what are we going to see? And she's like, this movie or, called, called Terror in the Isles. I was expecting it to be like some sort of Caribbean. <laughs> like some sort of some sort of tropical horror film. <laughs> Cuz I didn't actually see it the title. I, I, she just told it to me. So I was like Terror in the Isles. Okay, so it's like a tropical paradise horror movie. Okay. Ricardo Montalban. And then we went and watched it, and I was like, "That that wow, this is not taking place on the islands at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a little tidbit if anybody ever wondered how sometimes I'm dumb as a kid. Um, <laughs> but I didn't, fair, just, I didn't know. So were we all. We were all very dumb, you know. Oh, <laughs> my God. But, yeah, we uh, set our piece there, and uh, we'll be right back. For one more small segment and to close out the show. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. This is Jamie from Devour the Podcast. Do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty? Oh my god, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie so hard. Oh my goodness, you know, I, halfway through this movie I was just like, let's get, get this thing going. Fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Humor and an obvious passion for the genre. I like the cut of your jib. The ceiling, Grandma. Don't make me get out the broom. Oh, your tears are like wine. They used to call that the vapors. Cupcakes are kind of the Schindler's list of desserts. It's it's a, a pure good. I love the idea of up-and-coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre. I really, really like that idea. And that's really the worst thing you can commit as far as filmmaking is concerned, is making a film that's just average. Well, that doesn't really inspire any kind of exactly. discussion, whether it's, you know, to rip it apart or, or praise it. Then you should spend time with David and me. And Bo. As we discuss horror films from old classics. Deep Red. Empire of the Ants. Lisa and the Devil. The Baby. The Toxic Avenger. The New Favorites. Absentia. Cabin in the Woods. The Loved Ones. Shadow of Death. VHS. The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. Devour the Podcast is a proud member of the Horophilia Podcasting Network. Hey, you like podcasts about food? Well, how about chains? Boy, howdy, are you in luck? <laughs> I'm Cootie. My name is X, and you might know us from the wildly successful Kiss the Goat podcast. 
But when we're not drinking fine white wine and helling Satan, we're watching animal attack movies. Holes in the ozone layer. Giant rodents. Packs of wild creatures roaming the streets in search of the most dangerous prey. Humanity. Join us and a special guest animal expert. I'm going to have your health inspector, Badge Grabowski. Hi, I'm Allison. <laughs> I tried a lot of stuff. You never smashed an ant and smelled it? Every other Thursday on the food chain where nature runs amok and mankind is always on the menu. That's the food chain exclusively on the Legion Podcast Network. Animal attack, bitches! Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And now on to my favorite and least favorite segment of the show, because since I get these feelings out there, uh, it's based on my, my, my love for talking about people who passed away and my hatred for, for one Stan Lee. And in this segment I like to call, Why Not Stan? And I don't want to get too sticky about this. We're still talking about comic books. And this, uh, this is a segment we did last time. We're basically we talked it's so about so dark, it's so dark. My hatred for Stan Lee it goes deep, you know. My my my, my, love, my love for Jack Kirby and my hatred for Stan Lee just goes deep, man. You know. <laughs> we talked about uh, Toby Hooper last time, and you guys were not here for that. So I'm gonna ask. Um, we, we lost him recently. I'll start with you, Jamie. What is your uh, feelings on Mr. Hooper? And do uh, you have any fond memories of him? Well, one time we had a picnic in the park that was really nice. Nice. Um, there was chicken and wine, cheesecake. Those little those little corn nuggets that are fried, that was, those were good. Oh, those were um, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I love I Toby's films. Uh, obviously, the... Texas Chainsaw Massacre is um, way up there. A huge uh, influence on on me as a horror fan. Also, um, just one that's very special to me on a personal level. Same goes for Funhouse. Um, it's not nearly the game-changing film that Chainsaw was, uh, not even close. But for me personally, it has a lot of meaning. I've always enjoyed that film quite a bit and you know he had his hits and his misses just like anyone else um he got credited with poltergeist which is another film that i love but i don't think he did it so i don't really ever give him credit for that <laughs> cocaine's a, um, a drug it is <laughs> um but you know it was it was sad for me and his passing was one that i was not expecting especially I mean, we had just lost george romero which i found out about while i was recording devour the podcast and i found out about toby hooper while i was recording the podcast under the stairs and i'm like god damn i need to stop recording early sunday mornings because people keep dying like <laughs> i keep killing people um or at least i keep finding out about it on the show which is not a good thing because what happens is i come i don't see any of the news i come straight home from work i jump right on the on to Skype and I start recording. And so I don't, I don't know anything. And then they always end up breaking it to me and I'm like, and I'm hit like broadside by it. So that was, um, that was rough. It's, we've been 
losing a lot uh, lately. I mean, we have we still have Carpenter, we still have Argento, but the list is getting smaller and smaller, and that is a very sad thing to me. But I know I guess that's what happens. But I just don't feel like we have the at the time when these guys were all coming up, there were a lot of innovations to be made. There was a lot of ground that was not covered yet. There were things that... It was a very different time for filmmakers. And they had to forge on their own uh, a lot of times, which really meant getting in there and getting gritty and, and getting down in the dirt with their film. And it doesn't really have the same climate anymore, the same atmosphere. for Even for indie filmmakers, it's just not that... It's a little easier now than it was back then. So I, I think that they're kind of like the generation of like our grandparents, you know, who went through the depression and then came out stronger at the other end for it and never forgot that and always lived that way because they knew how it was. And subsequent generations have had a little bit easier and to me that's a really that is a really long-winded metaphor i know but that's what it reminds me like these are the strong ones these are the ones who had to fight their way up and they opened a lot of doors in horror and you know things are just a, a little there's a little bit easier now for newer filmmakers because of these guys so whether you're a fan of their films or not whether you think toby hooper was like a one-hit wonder, uh, or you just don't like anything else he did, which I know some people feel that way, or whether you think it was spotty, or or you love everything he ever did. I think one thing you have to do is is give him some respect, because we wouldn't really be exactly where we are in the genre if not for him. And I, I guess that's my cue to stop. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, Jamie crying a podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that never happens. You <laughs> bastard. That never, ever, ever happens. <laughs> Jeff X, tell us about sleazy Robert Englund. Tell us, spin us a yarn, sir. <laughs> um, here's the thing that I've always thought about Hooper, and I don't know. This is kind of a weird thing. He, I agree with what Jamie says about Texas Chainsaw Massacre because that did change the genre, and that is a beautifully made just that that's a showstopper i don't know how else to put it i mean that's it's a stone classic and then you get something like eaten alive which looks like it was made for television not the subject matter just the way that it's filmed looks to me like a 70s you know abc mystery movie or whatever i agree yeah and then you get on to you know, Poltergeist looks like a Spielberg film because <laughs> there. Um, Life Force is this big budget science fiction just mess, but I friggin' love it. What I'm getting at is I don't think he had a recognizable style. You can't, I mean, people look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre, oh, that's a Toby Hooper film. But if you look at something at, like, say, I don't know, Spontaneous Combustion, it does not look like a, what you think a Toby Hooper film looks like. Neither does Eaten Alive. Neither does Life Force. So he that makes him very hard to pin down. You know, he doesn't have like the lens flares or the deep focus that Carpenter has. He doesn't have the crane work like Argento has, or you can look at a movie and go, "Oh, I know who did that." Doesn't have that. 
So no, I you're think- right. I've, I've even mentioned that before. I totally agree with that. One thing, though, I think one movie that he I feel like feels like it pairs with something else is uh, interesting. Interestingly, Salem's Lot. There is a specific scene in that film where there is a red wall with stuff hanging on it, like like antlers and stuff. And it reminds me of that wall in Texas Chainsaw. I don't know if he did that on purpose or if it just is that that's just an aesthetic that he enjoys. But to me, Salem's Lot feels more like a Toby Hooper film than the majority of his other films. And but you're right, and they all feel very different. And what's strange is I think the movie where all the elements come together correctly, like if there's a nexus for Toby Hooper films, it is the funhouse. I think that's where everything that he learned in the past came into that movie and all the shit that he wanted to do came mm-hmm. into that movie. So maybe even more so than, than Chainsaw, the Funhouse is the perfect Toby Hooper film as far as I'm concerned. And I love Do you that. like that movie? Okay. I good. do. I love that hey, movie a lot. So many people don't like that movie and it makes no sense to me. I it's, adore it's, it. It's not my favorite, but it doesn't suck. You know, I'll give it that. I just I adore the hell out of that movie. I always have. It's darkity dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, yee, just damn bleak. So hooray for that. <laughs> hooray for not a Hollywood happy ending. So, yeah, I admire Hooper. Can't really pin him down. But, yeah, if you've not seen The Fun House, to me, that's that's where it all comes together. So check that one out. Alive, alive, alive. But, um. Yeah, I just picked up. I just picked up Salem's Lot at Walmart for in the in the bin in uh, on Blu-ray because I heard the transfer was nice and it has a Toby Hooper commentary on it, which I don't think was on the DVD release. So that's uh that's something to to look for. And um, yeah, I talked about Toby Hooper last time, so I won't go into that little schmeal. Here's a, a personal schmeal because we lost Bernie Wrightson, uh, the artist, earlier in the year, and now we lost Len Wein who was a, a writer, comic book writer, uh, a couple days back. If you don't know who he is, you'll, you'll know the work he has done, because uh, if Bernie Wrightson was the artist of Swamp Thing, Len, Len Wein was the writer of Swamp Thing, the original, the original uh, writer for Swamp Thing, that they created a character together, and that is a character that I, from childhood, have, have loved and, and adored, I, I always regret to this day that I never got to meet Dick Durock, who's uh, played Swamp Thing in the movies and on television, because that guy was a big old guy, and he wore that rubber suit, and I, I've read stories about that suit, and how he would, like, lose weight, because he would just, like, pour, like, dump the sweat out of that thing at the end of the day, because it was, it was so hot in that suit. But Len Wein, anyway, uh, ex- excellent comic book writer. Revived the X-Men series in the 70s, and uh, that was a big deal because it wasn't popular in the 60s. It, it, it was a series that went away, but with, with his help, he, he uh, it, it, it rose to the juggernaut that it is today. Because he, he created Wolverine, and Storm, and all these great characters that we, we, we know and love from these films. Maybe not so much Halle Berry, but you know, that's just one man's personal opinion, you know? But um, Storm the character is kind of great. But he created a bunch of characters in the 70s that are included in these films that we're watching now and these television shows we're watching now. And without him, this this would not be. You would not have Hugh Jackman being the star he is with that character. If you know, if you watch Logan, you know, tears tears were shed. You know, 
it was like the end of an era, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, Len Wein, along with Bernie Wrightson, were um, it's a bad combo for me this year, you know. <laughs> that those two guys are gone. Now all we have left is strange Alan Moore, who did did Swamp Thing pretty good, but he, he was the original Swamp Thing guy. And God bless Jim Wynorski, he he pulled the one up on uh on um Old West Craven by giving those guys credit for their work in his movie Return of Swamp Thing, which if you guys follow the two Minimum commentaries, uh, me and the boys are going to do those two films, the Wes Craven original and then Jim Wynorski's, I think, superior sequel, Return of Swamp Thing, on, on the show, in, in their memory. Um, so that that's coming soon. You guys uh, familiar with his work at all? And, and, and all, you know? I am not qualified to comment. Okay, well, he's a writer, so I thought you might have known, 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 known something about him. See, you know? <laughs> Unfortunately not. Oh, one more person to note that, that passed away today is uh, Frank Vincent, who is uh, a guy who acts in a lot of mob stuff. But um, you guys probably know him best as uh, Tony Soprano's rival, well, one of his big rivals on The Sopranos. And, of course, uh, the late Billy Bats. Everybody thought was Dennis Farina in Goodfellas, you know, told uh, <laughs> told old Joe Pesci to go get his fucking shine box, and Joe Pesci reacted wrong, and he got shot in the head for it, you know. So there you go. But <laughs> my but, God, uh, you had to do it, didn't you? I couldn't. You couldn't let a podcast go by without <laughs> me finding he, out somebody he, was dead. He didn't die while you were on the air. He died before you went on the air. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I did. I did actually like that guy, though. <laughs> but it's not going to wreck my world. But uh, yeah, it's not. I'm just saying he's a great character actor. But I do, But no, he is. He really is. And he's one of those guys that. And they seem to be. They're dwindling now. But for a while there, it was you know you got a mob movie. These are the guys you call. Yep. And he was one of those guys. And we just keep losing those guys. <laughs> and I'm like, no. You know, we got Who's gonna? How are you gonna make mob movies if these guys keep dropping? <laughs> oh, so, somebody please pray for Vincent Pastore. Somebody keep him safe, okay? I don't want to live within the world without big pussy. You know. <laughs> God well, that's damn it! Personal thing. Oh yeah. Well, that was his character on the show. Okay. <laughs> I know it, that. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know many people who don't call him that to this day. It's like my my. my doesn't he well, hate that though? I don't know. I, I, I would think he I would, think he, I heard that he hates that. Well, if you when we walked this, hey, pussy, he's like, oh, really? You know. But I'd imagine that you know, if you're walking down the street and somebody calls you that, and people did not know that you played a character called Big Pussy on The Sopranos, you, you would be slightly upset by that. But you know, yeah, that, that'd be me too. <laughs> wow. Okay. This is just a just a little snippet of Frank Vincent movies. Um, see if you see anything running through here. Um, Goodfellas, Casino. Raging Bull, but it's not really a, but it's it's not a mob movie, but it just I don't know, it always had that feel to me. Um, the Sopranos, Chicago Overcoat, which just sounds like a way to die. I don't know. <laughs> it does. Uh, the Death Collector, aka Family Enforcer, with Joe Pesci, and the things, uh, this thing of ours, which just I've never seen, but it looks like a bunch of mob guys on the cover. So. <laughs> I mean, that was his thing. That was his thing, the mob thing. And Scorsese used them pretty prominently in a couple things. So that, that's, a, that's a pretty big honor, I think. You know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Frank Vincent, maybe uh, not talking about Pesci's shine box in heaven, sir, because that's, that's no bueno. You know, 
<laughs> but um, yeah, that, that's the end of that pretty much. And I will end the show here just about as soon as I ask Jamie what she has coming up. Well, I, you know, I am very pleased. I have gotten back into podcasting and I'm going hard. I'm going strong. I'm. We have just had the It review come out on the Skeleton Crew where Brian joined us for that. So check that out if you haven't heard it yet or if, you, if you've seen the movie and you want to hear us talk about it, go. Uh, we have a new, epi- 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 <laughs> a new episode of Evil Episodes that came out where we discuss it among other things and we always do a rundown of things we've been watching and then of course the TV stuff so we talk about the new American Horror Story and that and um, also the other Stephen King or or the Stephen King show Mr. Mercedes that is airing on the audience network Um, it's it's an obscure network I know but if you can get your hands on that show I highly recommend it Uh, it is uh, I I am loving it and uh, it's uh, so yeah, go 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 do that. So I've got that coming out. Um, we've got a devour that we're going to be recording next week. I'm going to be going on the VD clinic very soon. Cool. Um, I just uh, the the episode of the podcast under the stairs where I did the fourth anniversary show with Duncan came out last week. I think so. Uh, that was a really fun show. Uh, yeah, I'm. Um, I'm trying really hard to get back to it because I was starting to feel like the Nora Desmond of podcasting, and uh, I was like a I was like a relic, you know. I was like I'm not relevant anymore. Like it just doesn't like I don't know. I, I just I'm gonna be shaking my fist and telling kids to get off my lawn, and I'm like you know this is not <laughs> happening. I'm I'm getting back in the game. So um, so yeah. I've also it also helps that I've been listening to podcasts as much as I have lately. Um, I just found a new one, um, met Billy Stewart with Scary Dad Productions and uh, through Ricky Morgan, and um, he does a podcast called Scary Dad. He does this with his friend Scott, and they have this whole movement. It's not specifically films, although they do discuss films on occasion, but they do other things too, like uh, they did a whole episode on torture devices, um, like ancient torture and that was really fun and inter- fun but you know it was, it was interesting um they did a whole episode about halloween traditions an episode on ghost stories so and they do films as well but they they do it's just like all around horror and they're in the houston area so uh they just partnered up with alamo draft house and they're going to be doing something big out there they've got a, a um like a festival that they're going to be starting, which I'm just really excited. They have this whole movement going, like a horror movement. And so I, I support that. And they're just fun guys to listen to. Um, and uh, Short Bus Cinema, I've been listening to the hell out of that. Oh. And that's a fun show. The Abbey episode is epic. I loved it. Yeah, Ricky uh, with Ricky Morgan and Johnny Krug. And they just talk about really bad movies. And... Uh, it's fun stuff because I've seen all these movies they're talking about. <laughs> so it's uh, and every time I'll say like they're talking about something and I say it, it's something in my head. They say it right after, and I'm like, oh, good, you know, they nailed it. But <laughs> so it's it's fun to listen to. So yeah, there's I think that's it for me. Cool, Jeffrey X. You can hear me on four different podcasts. Count them four, including this one. Um, yeah, check out Kiss the Goat, which is our podcast about devil movies. By the time this comes out, hopefully our newest episode will be out, which is about Messiah of Evil from 1971. Um, as far as Kiss the Goat goes, look, 
we're doing something in October that I, I cannot talk about, but I guarantee you, it's like nothing you've ever heard Cootie and I do before. That's going to blow your little friggy minds. So look for that in October. Um, listen to us on the Food Chain, our podcast about animal attack movies. Our latest episode is Alligator with Trey Lawson. Oh, nice. I just listened to the Black Sheep episode. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. coming coming up very soon. Um, next week, as far as this is being recorded, I'll be releasing the Kingdom of the Spiders episode with Vanessa Ooh. McHenry. So that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with that. <clears throat> you can also find me on the Theme Warriors podcast with Mike Merriman and Iris and Doug Tilly. Um, Facebook groups for any of these podcasts is a really good way to find me. And you can find me on Twitter. The username is Tenebrae Wyatt. My fiction's on Amazon. My website is elderskeep.com, but my home's in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, me, myself, uh, this show, the one you listen to, obviously, and the two Jig Venom commentaries can both be found with tons of other great shows. I've been doing my best to try to pimp them when they come out. Write, write funny posts or whatnot about drop bears and whatnot about shows on legionpodcast.com but um and I uh, find sloppy seconds movie sequel podcast on horophilia.com I've been I'm gonna, you're gonna get real sick and tired of me talking about this but the fleas and flicks auction is uh, happening the weekend of December 2nd and December 3rd uh, X and Cootie have been working and they have the website up for, for you guys to register your names on the website to bid on the items directly on the website because that's the way you guys will be doing it this time around. Oh, I website. like that. Yeah, Cl- I click like on, that. Click on your items and bid, bid, um, bid what you can. And uh, uh, the re- recent item that I have, well, we we have added to the auction, myself and Mister Barry Bostwick, is a uh, a pair of tidy whities that he sells at shows that you can get signed by him. That says "Damage and I love you." You know. Uh, signed by Barry Bostwick and an eight by ten picture signed by him as well, which will be a package deal and is an auction item. So you want to make a real neat shadow box with some 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 patented Barry Bostwick tidy whities You could uh, you could have that. It could be yours in the Fleas and Flicks auction, and um, all the proceeds of that all of it go to um, South Suburban Humane Society, a great no kill shelter that's around me and near and dear to my heart. So check it out at fleasandflicks.org for all the information on that. And plus I'm making, I made an event page, so I will be adding stuff to the event page and inviting people and yada, 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 yada. Uh, I've seen some other stuff I'd like to go after for the auction, so hopefully I can get some good deals on that. So just uh, stay tuned for new items to be added because I'm sure they're going to be uh, like the ice cream on Reggie's truck. There's flying fast and furious, you know. It's uh, yeah. That mic is great with crowd control. <laughs> I digress. But, um, yeah, that's happening. Uh, Twitter at GW, Twitter at CinnaBeefCast. And that's pretty much it. That's my schmeal. I've done really no guest spots on shows lately. But, um, hopefully that'll change. Whatever. I mean, throw my hat in the ring of other people's shows so I don't have to edit. And that's always fun. But, um, that's about it for this one around. Next time around. Might be the 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 super monkey show that we're we're putting together for for with the hair troop segment with the King Kong Asian ripoffs and this thing. Jamie, if you want to be part of this, just let us know. Well, you will definitely be a part of this where we pit phenomena up against the barefoot executive that you know that 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 ape that monkey movie with Kurt Russell that Disney movie. 
j- just to see who has a better relationship between their, their man and their monkey, and you know, just just for fun, just just just, just to do that, and you know, that that's gonna be a lot of fun. So either be that or a sh- uh, the show, a show possible show with with uh, Duncan, or this other this spectacular lady show that Jamie came up with, which features three ladies in peril in the workplace, and uh, I never announce what's coming up next because I never know what we're gonna do next, so. Love this organization, but it's so lovely to talk to these people. So I am eternally grateful. But with that, this has been your Ascendant Beef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you guys next time. He's uncomfortable in Europe. They won't him. Africa, Asia, the Middle East, South America. <laughs> They've got enough revolutionaries. But if you wanted worldwide press coverage, New York, where else? spinning round me and all my thoughts were cloudy and I had begun to doubt all the things that were me but I didn't join the force to kill people been in so many places you know I've run so many races and looked into the empty faces of the people of the night and something is just not right cause I know that I got Get out of here I'm so alone Don't you know that I gotta get out of here Cause New York's not my home I have brought the city to its knees Police My cowards Though all the streets are crowded There's something strange about it Lived there about a year and I never once felt at home So why don't you kill me in due time? I thought I'd make the big time I learned a lot of lessons awful quick And now I'm telling you that they were not the nice kind It has been so long since I have felt fine That's the reason that I gotta get out of here I'm so alone York's not my home. Amor Reinhardt, sometimes called Wolfgar. This is Wolfgar calling. Come on, Amy. I'm an international terrorist wanted by the police in half the countries of Europe. <laughs> A terrorist who's capable of wiping out hundreds of people in one shot, just like that. Get inside the man's head, damn it. Deke De Silva, age 35. Occupation, cop. Motherfucker! This one's for you, De Silva. I do not enjoy killing. But it's my job. Someone has to do it. Is this trip business or pleasure? Pleasure, I hope. That's the reason that I gotta get out of here. I'm so alone. Don't you know that I gotta get out of here? But New York, not my home. Motherfucker! Yo, come on, get it down!